As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hoge. 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 Put it in the corner. Hoge. Hoge. From CHGO, it's Adam Ho. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's one of the craziest games that I've covered live. But that crazy for me. I feel like, how many times a season do we say that? Yeah, but this one, like, I know. In the red zone. <laughs> I'm, I'm not disputing what you're zone. saying. I'm just like, how does this franchise keep doing that? Anyway, uh, who cares? Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogan Johns, with you on Tuesday morning. Um, kind of a weird, interesting, uh, tough morning after what happened last night in the Monday Night Football game. But... Uh, we are here to give you a podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what happened, and then uh, we sort of we didn't completely scrap what we were planning on talking about today, which was going to be kind of a full Kevin Warren episode. We're still going to bring in Matt Fortuna uh, from the Athletic, who does a great job covering college football, to talk about all that. But obviously, we are going to address this uh, Demar Hamlin uh, terrible situation that happened last night uh, in the Bengals Bills game. But what's going on? Adam Hogue, Adam Johns with you as always at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Uh, the Athletic having some good coverage on all this at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can read me at allchgo.com. Johnsy, how you doing today? Good, man. Um, watching that last night with my entire family, mind you, my three football crazy sons, even my wife was with us holding our newborn daughter who was awake at this time. You know, you're doing that thing where you're speaking, not so much. You're, you're trying to get her to coo a little bit. Like, so that's the the moment in which it happened, at least in the in the John's household. And you know, you're you're talking to your sons as it's going in and out of the coverage, right? It, it, they're they're going to commercial break a lot, and like I think this is the experience for a lot of us. Is well, if you're not following on Twitter, and I wasn't at that time. If you're just watching, and this is me with my three sons, you see the players gather, and then you go back again, and then the ambulance is there. Unbelievably scary situation to 
to see live, at least unfold, you know, as live as it can be for someone watching at home, which many of us were in America at that time. Yeah. Um, I unfortunately saw, you know, a number of scary situations when I was doing sidelines for Northwestern, a couple times where ambulances were on the field, but they were all, they were all head and neck related. Um, while still scary, there's, there, there was obviously, um, they're very quickly like a different, you could tell it was different last night. Right. For it, me, like, it was when Joe Buck said they had administered CPR to him twice. Which, I don't know if you were thinking the same thing, but I was already sort of assuming that was going on based on just how long... It, like Again, it just looked different. I've seen so many of these scenes where you know they bring the backboard out, they're stabilizing the neck. You're not necessarily seeing any movement, which is why it's so scary... But then you'll get like the thumbs up or something when they finally load him on the ambulance. And everybody or, 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 cheers as he comes yeah. off. And this was just, you're, you know, you're essentially ten minutes into this whole thing, and you, I think everybody's thinking it. But to the broadcast credit, they didn't really go there until I thought it warranted it eventually. To, for Joe Buck to 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 say that to 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 tell everybody what was what was going on, it was starting to come out on Twitter from the reporters that were in the press box, um, because at some point, as delicate of a situation is, you know, your your job is to report what you're covering, and unfortunately, that's what this football game turned into last night, um, and obviously, we're still. I mean, this all we know is he, Demar Hamlin's in critical condition. We still to this at this point, as we record on Tuesday morning, don't necessarily know that he's going to be okay. Um, and that's tough. I mean, that's tough. You just all the football games we cover, watch on a weekly basis. We know it's a scary sport, but I don't know that we've ever. I've never seen anything like this. I know it's happened before. Yeah, but we've never seen it. You know in our lifetime. I, I think we're all in the process, at least myself, speaking of myself, um, like in the process of processing it, in a sense. Like you're, you're following live on Twitter, you're watching the ESPN reports. You're amazingly thankful for the efforts of the medical professionals, like on field. Like it, it is amazing the the knowledge, the abilities that these experts have in like lifetime to save lives. Yeah. It is. It, it truly is. It, it's re, it's remarkable. Like, I, I think about that. Then you're following on Twitter and you're seeing Hamlin's toy fund reach $3.3 million. Yeah. Right? It's seeing pictures of Bills fans and Bengals fans, probably more Bengals fans, going to the hospital and praying. Of course, you, you, you have the, the memories or the, the, not the memories, but the images of the players in emotional states, crying, covering their faces, praying on the field. Like, you remember those things, but, um, yeah, there's a lot to process. Like, I, I covered hockey for a while um, before this, and the Chris Pronger episode, like, was always talked about. Like, mm -hmm. he took a puck to the chest yep. in 1998, and he had a cardiac arrest, to, like, himself. Uh, you think of like Jay Bomeister, like I, I couldn't remember the player who had it recently, like in 2020, he collapsed on the bench from a cardiac arrest. Uh, Rich Peverly 
uh, Ken brought this up pre-show. Um, he saw him had a heart, he was at the game where he had a heart attack. Um, just, now were those last scared. two be, um, because of trauma, like Pronger, or were they just Pronger was episodes? arrested? Yeah, episodes. Yeah, but yeah. I, I meant uh, caused by. Um, you know, the puck. I'll have to go him. back to the stories, but yeah. they were heart related. Yeah. Um, like when I covered hockey, the, the scariest episode you always heard about. Um, and if, if you don't have like Clinton Larchuk was a goalie and you, you ever hear this? Like he got his throat slashed by a skate yeah. where there's blood pooling all over the ice and there was a mad panic. Um, like that was all like in terms of like scariness and something that's gruesome and life and death like right there like that story was was like whispered about because you don't want to talk about it but it's a reality of professional sports professional athletes NFL players you know they i think far often like we praise their toughness but forget the actual pain they're going through yeah in a sense you know what i'm talking about and, and this is just a reminder of how dangerous of a game this could be and how they're people too. I think like things like this humanize them in a way that shouldn't have to happen, if you get my point. Yeah, um, especially when you consider like this hit wasn't, it really just in the moment seemed like a relatively normal football play. It was a routine tackle. I can't you know? imagine what T. Higgins is feeling right now. Yeah, and I hope I hope he's getting, you know, and I'm sure he is getting the same support from his teammates and and the Bengals and everyone else involved too because obviously, I mean, it's not his fault. It's just everybody's just playing football out there and it seemed like kind of a one in a million bad luck moment. We still don't know the details of what exactly happened, but um you know, I will say this and and then We'll bring in Matt Fortuna here, too, in a moment. What you hit on was something I was thinking about in the moment, too, and and the amount of qualified medical professionals that are on the field for these games. Like You never want to see anything happen. But I was as this was all unfolding, I at least had some hope because, you know, Maybe other than being in a hospital, this was you know inside an NFL stadium during a game, and in college stadiums for that matter too. I mean, these college teams have cardiologists on the sideline, in addition to surgeons and the the, the amount of doctors and medical personnel and equipment too. There's a reason why there's an ambulance not only at all these games but at practices. You know, and and even at the high school level too. So, I, I at least had some hope that, like, and you could see it how quickly they were. There's a playbook for this, right? And it's they're it's, trained. It's almost like that play you run in practice every week that you never really have to use until you, you do. Finally, you do. And if you're and if you're trained the right way, it can you know you can run it properly, and that's that's sort of what happened here and to everybody's credit involved um i thought it was tremendously handled not only by the medical personnel but the officials the coaches um honestly the broadcast too i mean you got people that were 
thrown into a situation where they had zero information, time to fill, where all other topics were off limits. I mean, that's not easy to handle. In, in our profession, that's not an ideal position at all. No. It's, it's not. It's not. Um, I appreciate like Ryan Clark, Scott Van Pelt. Yeah, they were great. Too many, too many. Like athletes are people too. Like their brothers, their sisters, their family members, their friends. I've always tried to humanize athletes in my stories. Sometimes I think we get caught up in numbers and certain things, but they're people with their own concerns and own things going on, own love, their own loved ones right now. You know, in, in like really feeling down and scared right now. Um, I, we, I, I, we can't lose sight of that. I always come back to that, and I hate that moments like that have to bring that out of us. But it's sadly true. Um, I, like I think of my sons because they play they play sports, and this is often associated with like baseball because of the impact to the chest. And they sell shirts now. I don't know if you know this out there, but if you have kids out there, they sell shirts with padding. It goes right over the middle of the heart. Um, my son who plays second base, I have him wear that more than the one who plays outfield, but it helps you know when they're at bat too because it takes a load off the impact in the chest. They also sell that for football players too, where it's a little bit more expanded over the chest. It's not like a chest pad or like a chest protector, um, but it's a little extra cushion in shirt form that goes underneath the pads. Yeah. Scary, scary, um, scary situation. You know, we we like to lock in on our football games and worry about our fantasy teams and and our gambling bets and all this stuff, and then you you quickly um, get a reality check like that, and it's and it's tough. So we we didn't think it would be appropriate to kind of dive into all this bear stuff uh, without addressing what happened last night off the top, and you know our prayers go out to Damar Hamlin and his family um, who's, you know, like you said, it, it, there was some good in humanity coming out with all this and the amount of money that was raised for his toy drive and the people and support um, over 3.3 million. That's it's amazing. That's great. Now let's hope he pulls through and, um, and this has a happy ending, which right now we don't know. So hopefully it does. Uh, all right. We're going to bring in Matt Fortuna, Fortuna from The Athletic to talk about uh, the Kevin Warren situation, the Bears presidency, CEO job. Um, so let's do that right now. Matt Fortuna. All right. Matt Fortuna covers college football for The Athletic. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt underscore Fortuna. Knows the Big Ten especially well. Big Ten guy. Uh, Matt, thanks for jumping on with us. Great work last week with the uh, the Kevin Warren story as it emerged, and um, just get you know start with this. Just what was your reaction knowing covering Kevin Warren, you know, throughout his time with the Big Ten? Just what was your reaction to this idea that he would go back to the NFL potentially? Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Fan of the show and fan of your guys' work. Um, initially I was shocked just because the big 10 commissioner is a destination job. I mean, I would argue it's the most powerful job in college sports right now. And you don't see people leaving the big 10 commissioner job. So, uh, in that regard, that was eyebrow raising once the shock of the news wore off. Um, and you took a step back and emotionally removed yourself from everything. It makes sense. Um, 
it's been a pretty open secret, at least among you know Big Ten member schools and, and people in that office that Kevin Warren probably wants to get back to the NFL someday. I think he has a long-term goal of, of becoming the NFL commissioner, maybe succeeding Roger Goodell. And I know that's a lot easier said than done, um, but, but it's definitely ambitious. He's definitely ambitious. And you look at his background, it's mostly NFL, whether it's the Lions, the Rams, or, or the Vikings. Um, and you look at what he's done at the Big Ten, you know, both good and bad in a short period of time. He just expanded westward and made them a national 16-team super conference with USC and UCLA coming into the fold in the next couple of years. And he just uh, orchestrated a seven-year, $8 billion TV deal uh, that's going to pretty much revolutionize the way Big Ten games are, are viewed and broadcast throughout the country. So that deal runs through 2029, 2030. And, and when you look at you know what he's accomplished and what's left to accomplish, it's very easy to see why a guy in that position would want to think about what's next because – if he does leave here, the job is set up tremendously for whomever succeeds him to, to to succeed. Take us back to like when Kevin Warren was hired by the by the Big Ten. Like what attracted the Big Ten to him, and vice versa. Again, like you said, his majority of his professional career has been in the NFL ranks. Why do you think he was interested in, in this Big Ten job? Yeah, it was definitely a surprising hire. I think we all thought. Um, Jim Phillips, a Northwestern athletic director at the time, was going to be the guy to eventually succeed Jim, succeed Jim Delaney. And by all accounts, um, he was right there in the mix. And it'll be very interesting if they go back to him now that he's the ACC commissioner, if Kevin Warren does leave for the Chicago Bears. But it was a surprising move. It was a surprising name. Um, it was a name that you know someone like myself, who's pretty much fully engrossed in the college game and never heard of before. Um, so it kind of came out of left field. I mean, I remember specifically, it was a May day in 2019, and the Big Ten casually puts out a release saying we're introducing our commissioner tomorrow. And like, I mean, I assume it's the same with the bears and, and the NFL. Like rarely does a press release or a press conference get scheduled before the name leaks. Right. And we're all kind of scrambling and I'm talking to everyone at Northwestern thinking it's, it's gotta be Jim, right? It's gotta be Jim. And like, if it is, we haven't heard it yet. And you know, it ends up being Kevin Warren. And, and again, this took place in May. There were like, I was one of three or four reporters who was even there for his introductory press conference because it caught everyone off guard. The timing was weird. Jim Delaney wasn't even there at the time, which I thought was weird. He, I think he was out in California for some Rose Bowl meetings at the time. So it was definitely surprising for a guy with with no real collegiate background to assume this incredibly powerful and influential position within college sports. So I, I get why he was attracted to it um, as far as making an impact um, on college sports and sports as a whole. I, I'm not sure there are too many places to do it better than the Big Ten and from the Big Ten commissioner seat. Um, from my understanding, he completely won over the presidents and the board, the, the people who end up making the hiring. Um, I've heard him say, I believe it was on HBO Real Sports, when he first got a call about it, he figured they were calling him to look for recommendations um, for that job and end up being, no, Kevin, we want to interview, interview you for this job. And so obviously it didn't get off to the smoothest of starts. And it was a weird, you know, even before COVID, it was a weird transition, right? He gets hired, I think, in May of 2019. Uh, but Jim Delaney wasn't retiring till the end of the year. And there was this awkward kind of transition phase where he's essentially shadowed Jim Delaney all throughout different campuses and different events. But he was completely off limits to us. The Big Ten uh, wasn't exactly the best well-oiled machine PR-wise for a while. And it was very awkward just having a, a kind of a lame duck commissioner and an incoming commissioner, neither of whom really did much in the public eye. And, you know, next thing you know, he takes over January 2nd. And COVID hits two months later, right at the Big Ten men's basketball tournament, and all hell breaks loose. And you know that was a very, very dark time for for, for Kevin Warren for the Big Ten. So 
Matt, I don't know if you remember this, but I was one of the other three or four reporters in that room that day. I do remember that now that you say it, yeah. Because WGN <laughs> sent me over there, uh, and I, I agree. It was it was an odd press conference because they're just it's this big ballroom-type room in the Big Ten offices, and there weren't many people in it. And it's like, this should be a big deal, right? right. This is a big tech. This is like Jim Delaney has been here forever. And this is the guy taking, taking over. Um, but I do remember Kevin being impressive in that press conference. I remember, you know, all the NFL people I talked to when he got the job, just nothing but rave reviews about what he did with the Vikings, the type of person he was. Um, and then I remember being kind of surprised that things went a little haywire. Granted COVID, was not anything that anyone could have foreseen or had it really a, a, a blueprint for, but there definitely seemed to be some friction between the schools, the coaches, um, and, a certain quarterback, and certain quarterback, <laughs> Justin Fields. That'll be interesting uh, if, uh, if things materialize a certain way here. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I put this in my story last week on this because I was at that Big Ten championship game on the sideline uh, in 2020. And it just it was awkward. There was a there was an awkwardness between Ohio State, the Northwestern sidelines, and Kevin Warren just even being on the field. What was your understanding about how that all played out, how it was handled, and why maybe maybe the NFL background wasn't the best situation for that playing out because he was making all these new relationships that he hadn't really had before versus a Jim Phillips who knew all these people. Yeah, and you know, even you know, uh, last month when Michigan won the Big Ten title, he presents him the trophy, and the crowd's booing him. Now, I, I, is that specific, Kevin Warren? I don't know. Every commissioner of every sport and league gets booed anytime they get up behind a mic. <laughs> That's just kind of the nature of the beast here. But, but certainly, uh, it was it, it was an awkward beginning. Uh, it was an uncomfortable beginning. Uh, you know, I think with the benefit of hindsight, he, Kevin Warren probably would have won about developing some important relationships in the conference earlier. Um, so we would have those big voices in his co- corner. You know, I'm, I'm not sure he hired after COVID, he hired Barry Alvarez as kind of his, you know, you know, advisor for football or some kind of made up title, but like who knows the big 10 and has a bigger voice in the big 10 than Barry Alvarez, right? That's a name you should have in your corner from day one. Same with Gene Smith at Ohio state. And I don't think uh, a big 10 football season gets played in 2020 without Gene Smith basically telling Ryan Day to tweet out, why aren't we playing right now? And why is everyone else playing? So um, it was it was a rude awakening for Kevin Warren. It was a rough transition. You know, I've spoken to him pretty candidly about this, you know, one-on-one. And, you know, he said, I wouldn't wish that year on anyone. And, and you know, I've heard some other interviews he's given where he said, you know, I, I couldn't drive to work. You know, we didn't have enough security in our, our garage at, at Big Ten headquarters. The death threats were, were coming pretty hot and heavy. Like we had to report them. This wasn't some idiots on Twitter just saying, screw you. Like it was really, really nasty. And you wouldn't wish that upon anyone. And, you know, how much of that was him versus how much of that was, uh, you know, people, maybe the wrong people in his ear, I think is a fair question, right? I mean, he had just gotten the job. Uh, he got the job because the presidents, his bosses hired him and wanted him to do the job. And he ultimately executed their orders out, which 11 of the 14 presidents at the time said, we're not playing football this year. It's not healthy. It's not safe. Now, the execution of that was not great. Um, again, I, you know, how much of that was his decision versus the people guiding him on what to do, I think is a, a source of open debate. But again, that's what you get paid the big bucks for. You're the commissioner. You're the voice and face of this conference and everything that happens, good and bad, just like with the TV deal right now where he's getting a lot of credit for it, ultimately falls at the hands of Kevin Warren. Uh, now, 12 of the 14 presidents who hired him are gone. 
uh, which is made up made for a you know interesting transition with, with the Big Ten's board and some of the more important voices among that group right now. Um, but but I think definitely the lack of relationships, the lack of a college sports background showed itself. In fairness, at the worst possible time, a once in a hundred years pandemic that that really crippled this country, not just the Big Ten. So uh, it was a, a terrible confluence of events that ended up really hurting Kevin Warren and um, up really hurting the Big Ten. Uh, ultimately, they reversed course. They played a season. Uh, but you know, I, I, others have said this in the days since this news broke, and, and I would echo this. I, I do think you know his popularity is probably higher outside the Big Ten than it is within the Big Ten. And um, yeah, I think anyone who spends time around Kevin Warren will come away very, very impressed with him. But there's still a lot of sour feelings about how things got started for him in 2020, at least among some of the bigger, more important campuses within that footprint. And, and that's something that you know, it's hard to overcome a first impression, right? And yeah. you look at his background, it's all NFL, the Bears, and I'm sure you guys have talked and written about this ad nauseum. The Bears are basically in the position the Vikings were in when Kevin Warren, you know, helped them get a new stadium, a new practice facility, a Super Bowl, a Final Four, you name it. It, it makes sense why this would be an ideal marriage for both sides. But this is, again, I think arguably the most influential influential position in college sports uh, which is a very weird ecosystem, right? If you're coming from outside of it, and I don't mean this to sound like condescending or anything, but like a lot of college sports just doesn't make sense. You've got to be in it to try to make sense of it. Even then, it still doesn't make sense. So for an outsider to come in and essentially give orders is, is a tough task. And when you look back on it, Kevin Warren at the time was walking into a, a commissioner group among the power conferences where he was the newest and he was the greenest and he had no college experience whatsoever. Now, three or four years later, um, the Pac-12 hired essentially a casino magnet to run their conference at George Klaukov. He used to be the president of MGM Sports and Entertainment. The Big 12 hired Brett Yormark, who came from Rock Nation and the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and the ACC hired a new commissioner, Jim Phillips, who obviously is a more traditional uh, pathway through, through the athletic director ranks. But the, the entire makeup of the leadership and the biggest voices of college athletics have completely changed overnight. Um, and so Kevin Warren you know, kind of fits in more than he fits out, so to speak, four years later than he did when he initially took the job. And now he's appears to be on the verge of, of leaving. And like everything you just said, they're like in, interested me. Like, cause now you flash forward to today, the big 10 has expanded, you know, like one of the two power conferences, you got this amazing TV deal. Like what is his legacy? Is it a good one? Or are those sour grapes just still there and everybody's ready to say goodbye to him? My, my personal theory on this is, I don't think I've ever seen a, commer a commercial, a commissioner who's like universally liked and praised, especially like a, in a college sports setting. I think every campus, regardless of good times or bad, thinks you're out to get them, right? Anytime a call goes bad, anytime a ruling or a suspension comes out, it's, it's oh, it's a bias. I mean, you know, uh, Jim Phillips and his predecessor, John Swafford, always dealt with this with Duke and North Carolina because the ACC was, you know, a, a Carolina-based conference. Uh, as far as legacy, I think it will grow with time. And again, this is you know, under the assumption or impression that he does leave. I think it'll grow with time. Um, I think in the heat of the moment, there's still a lot of sour feelings about 2020. And I think there's some people who unfortunately just will never get over that. Um, but again, as far as like the face of your conference and kind of a, a demeanor and a classy approach to, to handling everything, some of the same people who were ripping Kevin Warren to me in 2020 had never actually dealt with him before. And again, the Big Ten... Not exactly aggressive or forward thinking with their PR front. Jim Delaney did a lot of good things there. But by the time he was done after 30 years, he wasn't talking to anyone. Not a whole lot of people were talking to him. It was kind of just a 
hey, we're the Big Ten. We're going to do what we want and don't question us. Um, and I think that kind of perception trickled down to the Kevin Warren, Kevin Warren era. And it took him a while to, to kind of actually show himself as a person. I know a lot of people who dealt with him after COVID who thought, this guy's really impressive. Why don't they put him out there more? Like, why were they wrapping him in bubble wrap? I mean, even the announcement to cancel the season, I think he gave a very brief interview with the Big Ten Network, and that was that was it. Whereas the Pac-12, which ended up basically doing whatever the Big Ten did during that point in time, cancels it that same day and then puts all these epidemiologists out and I think had their commissioner come out and made everyone available and at least showed data to say, hey, this is why we think it's not a good idea to play football right now. Now, obviously, they reverse course just like the Big Ten did. But but I think the, the communication, uh, the outreach, um, the kind of stuffiness of, of that office, you know, did him in at a time where he needed all the help he could get. Yeah, that's a great point, especially because, uh, you know, I go back to that initial press conference and not even so much things that were said in there, but the way he was gracious after that press conference and talking to us, like he came across as a relatively, you know, very normal uh, impressive guy. And, and, and to that point, like, I don't know that since that day, the rest of the world has been able to see that. Um, and, and so I can see from the Bears standpoint, and I'd like to hear your, your thoughts on this, Matt, why they're able to set aside, you know, whatever that friction and whatever those concerns are from how everything played out since he got the commissioner job. And from a business standpoint, again, I think everything's great. <laughs> it's it's more so how things were handled, you know, with COVID and some of the relationships in there. But I can see why they can look past that um, and realize that everything he did with the Vikings, especially, makes him, you know, a, an impressive candidate, probably the leading candidate right now for this Bears job. So why do you think the Bears are interested in him? Obviously, the stadium stuff, but even beyond that. I think for all the reasons you just said, I mean, you know, this is a guy with an NFL background who has, I mean, he is, I know everyone in that business has a big Rolodex, but like he's, I mean, he had Rich Paul at his suite at the Ohio State Notre Dame opener and they had an open seat for Adele and we're all waiting on the sideline for Adele to walk in and she never actually came. But like, he's just really, really connected throughout the sports and entertainment world. And, uh, you know, I, I, I honestly, I think that works more in, in the pro sports world than it does in the college world because the college world, people just care about making money and what you can do for us. Uh, I think when you look at his background, though, again, you know, U.S. Bank Stadium, uh, the Tw- I think it's the Twin Cities practice facility, whatever they call the practice facility out there in Egan right now, which I've been to, which is really, really nice. Um, getting a Super Bowl there, getting a Final Four there. I've always thought, I mean, we all live in the Chicago area. I, I think I speak for everyone in this city. Uh, I think, wow, Detroit, Indianapolis, and Minneapolis are all getting Final Fours. They're all getting national championships. They're all getting Super Bowls. All that stuff should be coming here, right? Like now it can't because of Soldier Field, but like this city for all of its political and financial troubles should be getting these events here. It shouldn't be passed over for it. And the only way you do that is by having a plan and having an organization, probably unfortunately outside of city limits. It looks like it's going to be Arlington Heights, but the guy who's figured out how to do that or actually has done that is Kevin Warren. So I think when you look at the resume, you look at his career, even the Big Ten part, both the good and the bad. You know, I, you can't convince me that a guy who came out of the other end of what he came out of with the Big Ten won't be better off for it now that he's in one piece. Now, again, he wouldn't have cho- chosen that path going into it, but but I don't think he would change it looking back at it. I mean, this is a guy who who, who kind of earned his stripes, so to speak, at a very extreme level. Um, and, you know, again, despite all the you know negatives we just talked about, 
ended up being the face of the richest deal in the history of college athletics. And not only that, you know, when you really get into the details, uh, I wouldn't say he boxed out ESPN from this deal, but ESPN's not a part of this deal, which a lot of people view as bold because ESPN kind of controls college football. And if you're not going to have your product airing on ESPN's airwaves every Saturday, there's a risk about you being forgotten about. But, but Kevin Warren kind of said to hell with that. We, we're going to have prime windows with Fox in the noon window. We're going to have the CBS game of the week in the mid-afternoon window like the SEC does now. And oh, by the way, we're also going to have a, a, an NBC window at night with Peacock as well. So uh, it, it's different. I think it's innovative. I think it's kind of a pro bottle. And again, every single word you hear about the guy from people close to him and from people in the Big Ten is that this is an NFL guy. I mean, even when he did that HBO Real Sports piece, which I want to say aired in August or September, not long after the, the media rights deal um, came to fruition, you know, he had some pointed comments in there about, hey, maybe we're not done expanding or, hey, yeah, I could see uh, a future where our student athletes are getting paid. And that raised a lot of eyebrows within the conference. Uh, but, but some of the pushback I got from people at schools in the conference was, Kevin, quit audition to be the NFL commissioner right now. You've done like quit taking a victory lap. Like you, you won it. Like you, you got the deal. You got us all rich. We're all happy with you right now. Let it be. We're, we're happy right now. Don't try to stretch it a little further because it feels like it's more about you and your personal ambitions than it is about the whole of the Big Ten. And I'm not saying that those comments are right or wrong. I just think that's pretty accurate encapsulation of how people in college sports operate and how Kevin Warren operates, which is always being on the cutting edge and always trying to do something new. Matt, to, to shift gears a little bit here, I'm watching the college football playoff on Saturday, New, New Year's Eve, and if I'm the Bears, I'm loving everything that C.J. Stroud is doing. You watched him the, the entire season. I'm not talking about like the Bears selecting him, let's be clear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that if you're the Bears and you have the second overall pick and you see a young quarterback do what he did, like, okay, like Raiders, call me. You want a quarterback? You want to trade up? CJ Stroud looked pretty darn good. Call me. Come get my pick. Is CJ, like, what do you think of CJ Stroud? You covered him all year. Is he a legit quarterback? I think he's really good. I mean, I think he's. You know, the, the one kind of quote unquote knock on him, and I wouldn't even call it a knock, was like, why does he use his legs more? And the reality of the situation was he didn't have to. He had great protection all year. He had the best receiving core in the country. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say he had it easy, but like he did not have to risk his body and go and make plays out of disaster like situations because he never was in them. And I think he erased all doubts about that this past uh, Saturday against Georgia, against the, the best defense in the country, against the reigning national champions. I mean, this was an Ohio State program that really had its pride wounded, not just this year, but last year with the loss of Michigan as well. There were a lot of questions about their toughness. Um, frankly, even after uh, the Michigan loss this year, C.J. Stroud, I think, rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because he said, one game doesn't define me, and you know we're, we're, we're not going to let this like hang our heads about this. Which, if you go back and look at what his predecessor said, Justin Fields, when he would beat Michigan – it was night and day. I mean, the, the question two years ago was, why does Michigan care about football as much as Ohio State does? And, and now it's, wait, Ohio State, you used to build your entire identity around this game, and now you've gotten your, your ass kicked in it two years in a row, and you're kind of just saying, well, that doesn't define us. Well, it, it kind of does. Um, and they were lucky to get a, kind of a backdoor way into the college football playoff this year. And even though they lost in, in, in a game that they probably should have won, I don't think C.J. Stroud did anything but but win everyone over in that game. And even in that last drive, 
as questionable as the play calling was, as disappointing as it was if you're an Ohio State fan, that you couldn't get a little bit closer to, to get a better opportunity at a closer kick. Uh, you step back from the situation, you see they were out without their top two running backs for the season uh, in Trey Henderson and Mayan Williams on that drive. Uh, their top tight end, Kate Stover, left with back spasms in the middle of the game. Their top receiver entering the year, Jackson Smith and Jigba, was never right all year long and ended up not playing the game. And oh, by the way, the guy who replaced him as your top wideout, Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, ends up getting knocked out with a, a non-targeting call in the second half of that game. So uh, it says something about the talent level at Ohio State that that wasn't even on any of our radars as they're driving to win. We just expected them to do it because that's how good they are offensively. But you look at the reality of the situation, like C.J. Stroud was not playing with the same house of cards that or deck of cards, I should say, that he was playing with even earlier in that game. And he got them in position probably really single-handedly. I mean, he had a 21-yard run, I think, on that last drive to get them into plus territory there. Uh, and I think he certainly won over any potential skeptics. I mean, I, I think the world of the guy is, is a passer and as a quarterback. I've been very, very impressed with him. Um, you know, I, I'm always fascinated as a college you know, guy at the NFL perception of this because I, the NFL people, and I don't talk to nearly as many as you guys do, but throughout the season we're talking about, what, you know, how much better of a traditional NFL quarterback he is and how much better he is than Justin Fields. And uh, Justin Fields looks pretty damn good to me, whether it's quote unquote traditional or not. So I don't want to say one's better than the other, but I can easily make a case for CJ Stroud to be the number one pick of the draft. I know Bryce Young's probably going to be it at least right now. Uh, and I've nothing but good things to say about Bryce Young as well, but I do have my concerns about a guy who's 180 pounds soaking wet being the face of your franchise. Last question I have for you has to do with that Michigan guy, Jim Harbaugh. Um, look, I think a lot of people thought he was going to be the Vikings head coach last year. I think maybe he thought he was going to be the Vikings head coach last year. Um, and then that all day interview came and went without an offer. Um, do you think if an actual offer comes this time around that, that he leaves Michigan? I want to start this with a question back at you guys. Cause you guys cover this closer than I do. If Jim Harbaugh's the Vikings coach right now, do you think they're better or worse than they are right now? Cause I honestly have no idea. That's a good question. Um, I would actually say maybe worse because I think he wants more change, right? Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to do better than what are they? Thirteen and three, twelve and four, but like they're also negative point differential. Like they're yeah, yeah. one of the more fascinating. Right. Teams I feel like Harbaugh would have changed more in by by that change. You're getting like a rebuilding season where they just, I don't know, Kevin O'Connell just wanted to keep going with what they had. I, I, I can see that. I can see that. Um, but but to answer your question, Adam, I mean, out of modern people who are still in college, he's, I think, the only one who's done it at a high level at both college and pro, right? I mean, there have been a lot of guys who have failed at it. Pete Carroll obviously did it, but, you know, he's not going back to college anytime soon. Uh, so I get why he's attractive to everyone in the NFL. And again, he put himself out there last year in a very public way. I mean, Jim Harbaugh's Jim Harbaugh and Michigan are the only combination of coach and school in America where you can interview for another job on signing day, not get that job, not really hide your interest in that job and still come back and, hey, they roll the balls out and have another strong season this year. I don't think many people recover from that. Uh, I do think from my understanding, Jim Harbaugh, and again, he marches to the beat of his own drum. He kind of wakes up, decides what he's going to do that day, and that's what he does. So it's really hard to predict whether he'd want another NFL job or another job or whether he's looking to leave Michigan or not. But from my understanding within the last year, he's engaged with representatives, uh, personal representatives in a way he had not in years past. And I think part of that is being smart about it, right? Like 
hey, let's maybe not advertise that we're flying out to interview for another job. Like it's no big deal. Um, because if we don't get it, we have egg on our face. I think he's got more back channels this year than he ever had before, which is to say he never had really any before. He never had anyone speak for him. He never really had anyone negotiate on his behalf. He just did what he did. Um, and that was that. I mean, th- keep in mind, this guy took a massive pay cut at the end of 2020 to keep his job at Michigan. And he's donated pretty much every bonus dollar he's ever gotten to other employees within that organization. So he's not a guy who's motivated by money. Um, I don't think he's a guy who's motivated by anything other than beating the guy in front of him. And, you know, when when he didn't get the Vikings job, his rationale was, hey, there was still a part of me that that wants to finish what I started at the NFL because I came so close to winning a Super Bowl and came up just short. But he, then he said something to the effect of, hey, Michigan fans, you're not going to have to worry about that anymore. Like, I went after it once this time. That's it. I, I, I'm not saying he was being disingenuous when he was saying that. Again, I just think Jim Harbaugh kind of says whatever's on his mind at that moment. Um, and, and it would not surprise me at all if he were to be in the NFL next year. I, I know NFL guys think highly of him. Um, it makes perfect sense why they think highly of him. I mean, even after last year, I think there's a sense, at least at the college level, hey, everything came together perfectly for Michigan this year. Um, you know, they're going to go back to being second or third best in the Big Ten the year later. And that wasn't the case. They were even better this year than they were last year. And in my opinion, the further away we get from this season, they're going to be kicking themselves even more because I think this team was good enough and should have won a national championship this year. And they lost to a TCU team that on paper – should not even be on the same field with them. Uh, so I get why there's a lot of talk. I get why NFL executives would really want Jim Harbaugh. And frankly, I would not be surprised if he ended up at the NFL level. But again, I, anyone who tells you what's going on in that brain of his, you know, can, can can probably tell you a lot of other things going on in this world because that guy truly marches to the beat of his own drum. Matt, great stuff. We really appreciate it. Uh, awesome on uh, Kevin Warren and everything that, w- that we've discussed here. I think Bears fans really appreciate the insight. So, again, make sure you're following him on Twitter at more Matt Fortuna, uh, excuse me, Matt underscore Fortuna, and uh, read all his work for The Athletic. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Matt. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. 
And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Johns. Well, definitely an interesting conversation uh, with Matt there and and, um, some of the... I think people can probably understand why the Bears are interested in Kevin Warren and not be too caught up with some of the uh, friction that he's dealt with in the Big Ten office. And, and you know what? Friction's okay. I feel like Hallis Hall needs a little bit more friction. <laughs> <laughs> if, if I'm being candid about it, having covered the team for more than a decade, um, I think in Warren you get a culture changer who's gotten a lot of things done on the grandest of college football stages, but also in the NFL stages, NFL world. Um, it would be a, quite the hire for the Bears, quite a break from what we're used to seeing from them. Yeah, I think, it, I think it would vault them a little bit more into the current world of NFL business. You know what I mean? Um, so we'll see where that goes. I, I, I believe he's the top candidate right now. Um, and I think there's probably some credence with the timing. Um, it is interesting that the both Big Ten teams lost last week. The Rose Bowl was wrapped up yesterday. Um, obviously, there's other sports going on, but football being the number one moneymaker, that all sort of being settled right now. Uh, maybe we'll get some movement here in the next couple weeks. With And we're not too far away from the point where Ted Phillips is actually retiring too, like at the end of February. Yeah. So um, it's coming up fast here in 2023. Uh, appreciate Matt jumping on. Hopefully you guys all enjoyed that conversation and um, we're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hoke at Adam Johns. You can read me at all chgo.com. John's on the athletic, the athletic.com slash Hoke and John's merch, which we're both rocking today. Obvious shirts.com. Go get it. We were discussing the other day how we gotta get some we gotta get some new items up there. So we're gonna work on that. There's a New Year's resolution for you. 2023. New stuff. <laughs> new stuff. All right. Uh, we'll be back Thursday. There is one more game to cover. We covered zero football today. Like actual Bears uh rot, you know, roster news or anything. You know what? I'm okay with it. Yeah, me too. I guess we'll find out more by Thursday. Who's playing? Who's not playing? What's actually at stake? And uh, whatever the situation is, we will break it down for you with one last preview episode of the season. And we'll talk to you then. See ya. Justin Fields time, baby! Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.